You're listening to Better Than Yesterday, a podcast that will inspire the chase to your best self. My name is Angelo Kelly, and I'm a creator who escaped the traditional nine to five. On the show, you'll hear conversations with elite athletes, mindset coaches, and everyday people who talk about their personal journey to a life of passion. I appreciate you guys being here. Now let's get rolling. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Better Than Yesterday. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Our guest today is Casey Zavaleta. Casey is the host of the How Do You Feel podcast, as well as a Toronto, Canada-based personal trainer. I was really looking forward to this conversation because Casey is a huge proponent on healthy habits. If you guys have been listening to my show for a while, you know I'm the exact same way. So in the episode, we covered creating sustainable habits, making changes when things aren't going right, as well as things that Casey does with her and her husband to create a better relationship. So without further ado, give it up for Casey Zavaleta. All right, Casey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Angelo. I'm so excited to be on today. Yeah, I um. so with Instagram, like I've been seeing a lot of, you know, the fitness people and influencers there's a lot of i think bullshit on instagram and i came across i came across your profile and you really give out good information your podcast is is uh super knowledgeable and it's backed by research so i just appreciate you i'm glad i found you that's so nice of you to say thank you i definitely pride myself on not perpetrating the fitness bullshit that is all over Instagram. So I'm glad that was your impression. Yeah, for sure. So let's just get started with your background a little bit, um, how you got into health and fitness and, and kind of where you are now. Sounds great. I have my educational background is in dance and neuroscience. So that's what I studied in school. I went to Indiana University, go Hoosiers. My first job out of university was actually with Toronto FC in their cognitive development department. So basically what I was doing was I was using my neuroscience background to kind of think about the mental aspects of a professional athlete's game. So we were trying to develop programming that would help the athletes to hone in on those mental skills. So that was a very cool foundation. I loved that job, but I found myself, as I was delving into the mental side of fitness, I found myself wanting to learn more about the physical side. So that's what kind of inspired me to become a personal trainer. As a personal trainer, I personally obviously have such a passion for movement, especially with my background in dance, and then I started getting into nutrition. Now what happened early on which I think this happens for a lot of people when they start going down the roots of learning more about fitness and nutrition is it became a little bit obsessive for me. So my body started changing. I was getting compliments about those changes. And so it kind of became, like I said, an obsession for me. And that kind of led me down a route to ending up with a full-blown eating disorder, which I think we're, we might touch on just a tiny bit um, in a second, but in that, like in that experience of knowing what it means to have fitness and nutrition completely take over your life, I've done a lot of healing since, and I've learned 
how fitness and nutrition can be in your life in a much more balanced way and in a much more sustainable way. So that's kind of what I preach now with all of my clients, with all of my personal training clients and my nutrition clients is how can we make sure that we're building up the habits that you're going to be able to sustain forever because we're in this for the long haul. And that's, that's really what I care about. Yeah. And I think the key word you mentioned there was just balance. Like anyone who plays sports or you're, you're competing in something, I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in for me, weightlifting. It's like the weight on the bar Mm -hmm. and it's like, what can we do to get that extra kilo on the bar? What can we do to, you know, get a better total, but you kind of lose sight of, you know, health and fitness and like just eating for eating to fuel your body to feel good. And, and you're not supposed to be sore all the time. You're not supposed to feel like you died after you left the gym. So what do you think? Um, we'll just touch on the eating disorder a little bit. I was listening and I'll encourage people to listen to your episode that you actually did on that and opened up. I think that was really brave that you did that. But um, what kind of led you down that rabbit hole? I think there are many things like these things are all so nuanced and complicated. And I should preface like before I touch on it, that I think within this, this realm, it can be very sensitive for a lot of people. And my experience was my own. Everyone's experience with a quote unquote eating disorder or disordered eating is very different. So people may or may not relate to my story. I think ultimately what, what drove me down that route was like I said, placing too much value on the aesthetics behind fitness and nutrition and getting the positive reinforcement from that. And I think there was an underlying level of insecurity just in myself and in myself as a human being. And so to get that positive reinforcement, it felt like something that I was missing. And so it became something that I felt like I needed and I relied on. And I think that's why it became, why it kind of took over my experience in fitness and nutrition, if that makes sense. Obviously, lots of, you know, it was very, it's very complicated. There are lots of nuances in that. But I think looking back, that's kind of my overall assessment. It's like I had to become cool with me. And I had to learn like, who I am deep down and what I really value in order to come out of that and heal from that. That's awesome. What do you think, you know, specifically kind of took you out of that? Like what, you know, self-exploration helped or what can you give tips wise as to somebody who might be in that and who needs to find themselves? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I was reflecting on this the other week because when we call something an eating disorder, it sounds like it has such a beginning and such an end. But what I've realized is that in order to come out of that, it was actually like so gradual and many years of work. And unfortunately, I'm embarrassed to share this, but unfortunately I didn't seek professional help, which I think would be like number one. Like you have to obviously be able to acknowledge that there's something going on that's a problem that you want to work through. Because in the beginning of my eating disorder, I was in denial about it all. So it's easy to kind of like be in that place of just denial. So you have to acknowledge what's going on and be honest with yourself. And then you have to want to change. And I think for some people, it gets time to even get to that place. Once you're to that place, I would 1000% recommend seeking out professional help. 
I think as a side note that therapy is something that we can all benefit from no matter what. But I think that this is a particular situation where, where it can be helpful to have that outside voice. But I think, I think what it was for me was hitting a point where I really didn't feel good. Like I really felt like shit after all of this, right? I was undernourished. My habits and behaviors were all over the place. My energy was whack. My sleep was whack. Like everything was all over the place. And so I felt like shit, which is not fun. So that kind of like inspires you to want to change. But I think also just realizing like, like gaining some perspective, like what do I care about in this life? Do I really care about sculpting a certain kind of body or like, do I care about being fulfilled and satisfied and happy, you know? And I think it was just kind of like a, what am I doing here? And so slowly, and like I said, I I think it was a matter of years, really, I was able to kind of rejig, I guess, some of my behaviors and my habits around, around fitness and nutrition. I think sometimes you unfortunately have to hit those goals. Like you, you might have to hit that goal weight to know and to feel like, oh, this actually doesn't make me happy. And, and I wish there was like a faster process or, you know, you can tell people you're not going to be happy when you hit this certain weight or when you do this, you know, meaning meaningless task in the gym, but it's like, you kind of have to go through that yourself to actually, to know that it's like, okay, this is, I'm out of alignment with myself. Mm -hmm. Have you felt like that in weightlifting as well? Like when you're chasing a certain lift for so long and like, kind of putting that weight on a pedestal and then you get there and you're like, shit, that wasn't as satisfying as I thought it would be. Yeah. I think it happens all the time. And it's especially, I made a post on it today on Instagram, like just comparing myself to others. And I'm always, you know, you see everybody on Instagram and it's like, I should be snatching that weight. I should be cleaning that weight. And even if I did, it wouldn't change who I am. It wouldn't change the things that I care about. It wouldn't change my relationships. So I think even for me, that's like having a healthier perspective is something I could work on. It's something we can all work on. 100%. And, you know, you're never going to be perfect with that. We all naturally compare. I think I appreciated what you said in that post a lot because it's just realizing that Instagram is a platform of comparison and just having that awareness of it so that you can kind of go in with, with a grain of salt, I think is really important. That, uh, that awareness piece, I'm not sure if you're familiar, I'll give you a book recommendation. It's called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. And he talks about like, basically breaking attachment with everything. <laughs> like you, anytime that you're wrapped up into anything, if it's a sport, if it's a making your body look a certain way, if it's your education, how many degrees you have, like that's something that needs to be explored. That having awareness of, oh, I, I place my fulfillment in this thing when it's like, that might not be the thing. Yeah, 100%. You can't change. You can't get anywhere and you can't get better unless you understand your current state and you can, you can conceptualize what you want to be different. So yeah, that's awesome. I haven't read that book, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Okay, cool. So what's a, what's a degree in neuroscience? I'm not familiar with neuro. I know neuro is head. That's about all I know about it. Yeah. So it's brain science. It's, it's similar to psychology, but it's more about specifically like neural pathways in the brain, what regions of the brain are responsible for different types of behavior. And I'll actually tell you a funny story about how I ended up in that degree. I thought I was going to go into engineering 
Indiana University didn't have an engineering school. But my, my high school counselor came to me and said, I really want you to apply, apply for this scholarship program that is at Indiana University. So I was like, okay, fine. So on my application for that scholarship, there was a list of a bunch of things that, like a bunch of possible majors, like what major would you declare when you come to this school? And obviously engineering wasn't on there. So I was like, I don't know. So I looked and I was like, what would be, what would put me in the best position to get this scholarship as a female? And I felt like neuroscience was probably something that was male dominated. So I circled that not knowing anything about it. And I never changed it. And I just ended up getting that degree. Obviously I found out I really liked it, but, but yeah, neuroscience is basically just brain science. Okay. That's cool though, that it's like, it was meant to be, you were you were for some reason meant to get that degree and do those studies. Yeah, I think so for sure. So let's dive into habits. They're something that we're both super passionate about. So um, what's like one habit that you do every single day? There are a bunch, but I would say one habit that I do every single day that I think has a huge impact on my life recently. um, Well, more recently, I'm in a very good habit of writing out my entire day the evening before. So as I'm wrapping up work, I sit down and literally hour by hour, I map out what are my priorities for the day. I don't like to think of things in terms of to-dos because I think we need to prioritize the most important things instead of just looking at a to-do list with all a million tasks, right? So. I look at my priorities, what will fit where, and I map out my day. And it doesn't always go exactly to plan, but at least I'm never sitting there like wasting time thinking, what should I do with this next hour before this meeting? I'm like, no, I'm on top of it and I know what I'm gonna do. So that's one habit that I've adopted lately that I think has been super effective. I'll definitely do that (laughs) because my habits have been all over the place during this quarantine. Yeah, it's important when you don't have that built-in structure, right? Yeah. And so you've been in the personal training space for how long? I've been in the personal training space now for about five years. Okay. And then you're doing, you know, nutrition, you're doing your own podcast. So like how, I guess, being the entrepreneur that you are, what do you think besides doing the to-do list or prioritizing things, but like what makes it easy to, to prioritize your schedule, you think? I think getting enough sleep and having good habits around sleep is massive. I think many people wonder why they can't do the things that they want to do. And it all comes back to sleep. And I have some really robust habits around my sleep routine and my sleep schedule and being consistent with my sleep schedule that I think have made a massive difference for me and being able to do what I want to do in the gym and in life. What are those habits around sleep? Well, consistency is like number one, most important thing. So around like I'm, I go to bed really early. I used to be a night owl. This is one of the things I talk about when it comes to habits the identities that we have around like of ourselves the identities that we hold dictate the behaviors that we then engage in during the day so i used to have this belief that i was a night owl so i didn't think like obviously i wasn't going to engage in any behaviors that would allow me to go to bed early 
I've since changed that narrative entirely, decided I'm a morning person. So at 8 p.m., well, I already have been wearing my blue light glasses. I wear my blue light glasses from maybe like, I don't know, 6.30 or 7 p.m. You know what blue light glasses are. Obviously, they're super popular now. Yeah? Yeah, I have a pair would of your listener, Okay, would your listeners know what they are too? Um, well, if you guys don't know, they're, they're basically just glasses you put on towards the end of the day. When you're staring at a screen or you're watching TV, they're really good to block that harmful blue light that messes with your melatonin. Awesome. So I've got those on from 6.30 or 7. Then 8 p.m., I'm screens off, going up to bed, doing my like wind down routine, teeth brushing, face washing, all that good stuff. And then I read before bed every night. And I'm usually lights out by 9 p.m. because I get up pretty consistently at somewhere between 5.30 and 6.30 a.m. every day. And so that allows me to get that eight hours of sleep that I know I need in order to function at my best the next day. And I try to keep that as consistent as possible. Obviously, weekends are a little bit more challenging to go to bed that early. But honestly, like, I try to keep it within two hours of that, even on the weekends. And I've found that it makes it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think it's whatever you want to prioritize. If um if sleep is important to you, you need to do things that are going to be conducive to sleep. So, you know, drinking alcohol, eating shitty food is not going to be helpful if you're saying that I'm the type of person who gets eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And you mentioned, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go for it. Go for it. I was just going to say like how you think of yourself as that person. Now you think of yourself as a morning person and it's like, okay, so what does a morning person do? And I think it's important any goal you're chasing or any thing you want to be, you think I am this person. Now, what habits do I need to create around that? 100%. You have to begin by embodying the identity or starting with the values that underlie that thing. If you want to make systemic and sustainable change in a certain area. Now, what I will say is when people are trying to start new habits. There are two main things, two big mistakes that people make. First of all, they try to do too much too soon. So I'm talking about all of these habits in regards to sleep. If you listen to this podcast, get really inspired to improve your sleep and try to do all of those things at once, you will stop after a week or two. Like it, it's not going to last because it's, it's too much. It's too much change. So you have to start with the simplest possible thing, simplest, easiest thing until that becomes automatic and then you get to add the next layer to it. So these changes don't happen overnight and I think people overcomplicate them because we think that to do the simplest step isn't enough when we're trying to begin a habit. The other mistake that people make is they're not specific enough about what they are going to do. So if you just make a promise to yourself that I'm gonna go to the gym every day, that doesn't tell you anything about when that's fitting into your life, what you're doing there, how you're getting there. Like you have to be so specific about when it's gonna fit in, plan for that thing. And so um, I think that when we speak about habits, I think being okay with it being small and specific is, is really key if you want to make changes that, that will stay in the long term. Yeah, I think 
one of the biggest things I see, so my girlfriend is a nutrition coach, which we talked about. And a lot of people think when they sign up with her that I got to change everything. My diet's so, and they're like, I'm so bad on my diet, fix everything. And it's like, no, let's, um, let's start week one. Let's eat breakfast within an hour of waking up. And they're like, but what else? What else? Like <laughs> I only lost a pound. What else can I do? And you're like, no, just stick to eating breakfast within one hour of waking up. And then they do that for a couple of weeks. They're like, oh, I start to feel better. And, you know, they start to drink more water. And, and I think the ha- like just the habits, I'm, I'm super obsessed with them. But the one thing I get, and you said that you just get like a little crazy about it, you get overly excited. So like, <laughs> how do you, you know, make your habits and routines healthy, but also, not make them crazy, not make them interfere with life. So if you want to go out on Friday that you can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's always important to zoom out and keep some perspective. So have habits that are consistent on a daily basis and feel so automatic for you and so strong and be okay that when life happens that you can completely chuck all of those things out the window and you don't feel guilty about it. Like that's the goal is understanding the perspective of things won't always be in your control and connection with friends and family on said Friday night or away at the cottage for the weekend or on vacation or whatever it might be is also so important for your well-being. Like that is another aspect of health. So I think it's about not being so rigid about those habits when things do change, but then also understanding that once you come back, you're going to go right back to engaging in those behaviors and it's going to be fine, right? Like one day is just such a tiny blip on the radar that it doesn't even matter. But if it's whatever you do consistently, it's whatever you do consistently over time. That's actually going to matter. Yeah. I'm going back to, uh, Jocko Willink and like discipline equals freedom. So when you do have those habits and, and you're disciplined, people think, you know, I have, I have to read 10 pages a day or I have to, I have to eat vegetables every day, but those dis- being disciplined with that is leading to freedom in other areas mm-hmm. of your life. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So what do you think besides like making it simple and kind of breaking it down that way? What's some other tips that you have for just, you know, I don't want to say like complete lifestyle transformation, but say somebody who's just, you know, I got this quarantine has really messed me up. Like, how do I get back on track? Like, what's what's the easiest thing I can do? Mm hmm. I think awareness, like you said, of what is going on and where do you want to be is so crucial. We're not very good at prioritizing what really matters. So you're talking about your girlfriend and doing nutrition coaching. The number of people that come to me and they're like, should I have this source of protein or this source of protein? Do I need more nuts in my diet or more oils it's like they're asking these tiny tiny specific questions that like at the end of the day like are you drinking enough water are you eating on a decent time schedule are you not eating two to three hours before bed like let's let's prioritize the the actual important things that matter so 
I think a huge first step is learning how to prioritize the thing that's gonna get you the biggest bang for your buck, basically. I'm developing currently a habits coach course, which is a pretty extensive system that's meant to help both fitness enthusiasts and coaches who are, who are helping clients through this, meant to help them prioritize what is it that they should be looking at first. So I'm really excited for that course because I think it's gonna kind of help solve that problem. But one thing that you could do at home um, without access to that course is you could just write down, like write down all the things that you actually do in a day. Every action that you take, every habit that you engage in, no matter how automatic, write it all down. And then you pick one thing that you think will make a big difference in how the rest of your day goes. Because certain things have a ripple effect. I don't know if you've had this experience, but personally, I have a different day after I go to the gym in the morning than if I don't. Not necessarily good or bad, but it makes a difference in the rest of my day and how I feel. Sleep is another huge one for that. So can you pick something that will likely have a ripple effect on how the rest of your day goes? Start there and then make it small, simple, and specific. Ah, that's so good. Yeah. And I think we overcomplicate everything. We always want everything. We always just want that, you know, that top 5% or that top 1% thing that we can do. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, nah, like make it easy and make it like something that you can do every day. And some of the things that like I do is just start the day. And I read on, on your um, personal training page that you start every day with a big glass of lemon water. (laughs) That's and right. that's, that's yeah. something I do every single day. And it's like, that's so easy. And then after that, you know, you want to keep drinking, you want to, you want to eat a healthy breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not hard. It's not hard to read 10 pages. It's not hard to, you know, set aside 15 minutes to make a, make a really engaging content post. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we're always trying to but what's like, how can I spend four hours doing that? It's like, no, spend 15 minutes on it today. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the thing we have to remember too, is that as simple as those things sound in the beginning, when you're trying to implement them and trying to start that habit, they will take energy. Like it will take some willpower to start off that habit. The thing is, if you're consistent enough and you do it every single day, it will start to become so automatic that it takes less and less and less effort until willpower isn't even a factor in it anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you think, has there been a habit that you've tried to implement that you couldn't do? (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... A couple, one most recently that I was trying to implement that just kind of like fell off and I'll have to loop back around to it. I was trying to do some breathing exercises. So I read The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McKeown. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I have not read it. Man, fascinating book. Really makes you think like if we're thinking about things to prioritize in our fitness and wellness, like really makes you think about the breath and consider just how important it is. Step number one is nasal breathing. So that's another habit that I have. Actually, I tape my mouth shut every night to make sure that I'm only breathing through my nose during the night, um, which is just such a simple thing that you can do to increase your quality of sleep and 
train yourself kind of to breathe through your nose. Anyway, that's a that's another aside. But I was trying to engage in these breathing exercises, basically like breath holds for a couple of minutes every day. But the problem was I fell, I fell victim to one of the most common mistakes. The problem was I wasn't specific enough. So I said, after lunch, I will do the two minutes of these breathing exercises. Well, when is after lunch? Like for me, my lunch is my least rigid meal of the day. Like I pretty much eat breakfast and dinner at the same time every day, but lunch is like just happens at some point. And there's always so much going on in the middle of the day that like right when I was done eating, I wouldn't feel like standing up and doing it. And then I would just push it off, push it off. And so it was, and then it just never happened. So I'm going to have to try to come back to that one because I think it's a very important thing to do. But yeah, that was one that I kind of failed at. (laughs) That's funny. You mentioned that I have this app, uh, XPT life. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's, um, I don't think so. Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. They have this app that's like guided breathing. So it's great for that. If you download, it's a free app and they have like five minute things. And it's funny that you mentioned that you struggle with the breathing. Cause I'm like, I love when I do these, but I do them twice a month and yeah. it's like an absolute waste. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think also sometimes those things where in our head, we know the benefit, but we don't really feel the benefit on a daily basis. They're very challenging for us to actually sustain in habits. Of course, there are ways that you can make them happen, but I think those are the most challenging ones to actually implement. Yeah, that's true. That it takes so long to actually, to actually see it. Yeah. So you've been married for a couple of years. What, um, what habits have you developed with your husband? Like, have you guys done stuff together? Like, have you brainstormed stuff that you were going to try together? We've never explicitly brainstormed things that we were going to try together. But the interesting thing about partners is that there's so much research that shows that over time, your habits will start to merge with your partners, your habits and your beliefs will start to merge with your partners naturally, because you're in the same environment, you're spending so much time together. Also, I just read a fascinating little snippet about how people actually start to look like each other over time also. And the reason is because we get in the same habits of like making similar facial expressions or like sitting in the same way. Like it's the most tiny things, but tiny things that we do a hundred times a day. So our faces will literally over, you know, decades together, will start to become more similar. I thought that was so crazy. But anyways, we know that habits with our partner will merge over time. So there have certainly been things where I've had to have a conversation with Eric because habits that I'm choosing to implement are going to affect him. One of the ones recently, I like to eat dinner by 6 p.m. every night. Um, I always eat breakfast in the morning, but I kind of like to be on a time-restricted eating schedule. And so that means that I want to be done eating by 6 p.m., but that's a pretty early dinner. And so that affects him if we want to be able to eat dinner together. So that was kind of one of those things where I had to have a conversation. And some nights we do eat together, but I, and, and he's cool with it. But, and sometimes he eats, you know, later by, by himself. But I think that if there's something that you're looking to implement, you have to understand that, especially if you're living with someone else, 
if you're living with family, if you're living with a partner, it's going to affect them. So being able to kind of take them along for the ride, whether they're actually engaging them in the behavior with you, or if it's just a conversation, I think is really key. Do you think it's hard to implement stuff if your partner say, say you want to go to bed at 9 PM and your husband's like, no, I want to go to bed at midnight. Like, how do you, how's the conversation go there? Yeah, that's so hard. And I have clients that struggle with this all the time, especially nutrition too. Sleep is a big one as well. I think you just have to know, like, if it's important enough to you, eventually they're gonna, they're gonna have to get on board. But I know that for a lot of people, that's, that's a big struggle. So I think there is an element of compromise, right? Like in anything else in relationships, um, there's going to be a little bit of push and pull until you can arrive in the middle ground that's going to work for both of you. But I don't know, personally, I think I'm just very convicted in my behaviors and then the things that I choose to engage in. So more often than not, I'm kind of just like pulling him along for the ride <laughs> than the other way around. But I know that that's a huge struggle for a lot of people. Have you guys uh, dealt with that as well? Yeah, definitely on like, I'm a, I'm early going to bed. So I love, like I would be in bed by nine, nine thirty every night, but my girlfriend was going to bed at 1130 and midnight. And then we started to go to bed at like 10, 1030. So it's just that compromise piece. It's, mm -hmm. it's the conversation that's, Hey, this is important to me. And they might come back and say the same thing. It's important to me that we stay up a little bit later and that's fine. I think that's how you grow as people. That's how you grow in a relationship is to find out what's important to the, to your partner and say, is this something that I'm not willing to settle on? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And understanding those things that you're not willing to settle on and then acknowledging the ones that they're not willing to settle on. Right. And being okay with making some changes yourself for those. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I wish there was like a, there's like an easy answer, but it's always, especially in health and fitness, it's just always, it depends. 100%. I know. <laughs> so let's just touch on your podcast a little bit. How do you feel? Um, I was listening to a couple episodes the last couple of days. How's, how's that gone? You've been at it a little bit longer than me. You've done like about 70 episodes, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Podcasting is awesome. I love it. I think I've been reflecting on kind of the biggest changes that it's made for me in my life. I think one of the things is being able to speak on the topics that I care about, because believe it or not, that's definitely a skill and a skill that I've been improving and still have lots to improve on. But I think that the practice that that's given me has been huge. The chance to connect with other people, like we wouldn't have been able to have this awesome conversation if not for podcasting. And it gives you a reason to reach out to someone and say, Hey, let's connect and let's chat. And we have a platform to do it on. I think that is so freaking valuable. Like, I just think that's the coolest thing. So the amount that I've learned from conversing with different types of people has just been immense. Um, and I know that my listeners feel similarly, like it's always fun to get that feedback that they're learning a lot from the people that I bring on as well. Um, but yeah, I think those, that those are the, the biggest things that I've noticed that the podcast has brought to my life. Was there anything that you do different looking back? Yeah, 100%. I was very scripted at first because I was, I mean, like anyone, right? I was just 
unsure of how it would go. I felt like I needed to have a list of questions that I would kind of exactly walk through and I was nervous to get on the mic. I've learned that, yes, obviously you want to have topics that you know you want to touch on with someone, but the more that you can just sit and be present with someone and just literally focus on having a conversation, I think the better the episodes get and the deeper you can get with someone instead of trying to like plan it all out from the beginning. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned. And then just other little things in the way that I present information in the way that I speak that have come with time also. That's awesome. And it's it's just a learning process. Like you'll look back on for me, I plan on doing this for hundreds or even thousands of episodes. So it's like if I have one bad one, who cares? Like I'm disappointed in myself at that time, but I'm like it's fine. It's it's one episode I'm learning, I'm getting better. So it's good that you're viewing it the same way that that it's a learning thing. You'll go back and, and listen to your episode one and be like, are you serious? I can't I know. I said that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone back that early very recently and listened. I kind of don't want to. But one of my mentors always says that perfection is the enemy of success. So if you're sitting there looking for perfection in every episode, you're not going to have the opportunity to actually progress and actually grow. So I think understanding that it's all a process is, is really huge. And I definitely subscribe to that, to that thought process as well. Do you listen to your own show? Yes. Well, I do my editing. Do you do your own editing? Yeah. I yeah. Do so, right. Yeah. Same. So I have to listen back obviously when I edit and then I think most episodes I probably listen back to once they're out just cause it's, it's nice to kind of get an overall concept of how it went and how it came off. Um, but yeah, I definitely listen a lot less now because I'm way more confident in what I'm putting out than I did in the beginning. In the beginning, I would listen to it like three or four times. Um, but yeah, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Make sure everything's perfect. And exactly. Yeah. It just never is. But if you, I think if you're able to objectively look at yourself and be like, oh, this wasn't that good. Let me change it. And I think having people around you that will say that you're doing something like my girlfriend told me, she was like, you say a mm-hmm, hundred <laughs> times an episode. And I'm like, why didn't anyone tell me that? Like if someone would have just said that I could have changed this two episodes in, but it said it took me 50, but it's like the next 50 will be better. And the next 50 after that'll be better. Yeah, exactly. It's so important to have those people that are going to give you honest feedback that's the only way that you actually grow because it's the only way, like you said, that you know how to change and you can't always see those things for yourself. So having those people in your corner is huge and it's annoying when it's your partner, but it's still valuable. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So is there one episode that you would recommend people listen to? Like what's your favorite episode that you've done? I feel like that's like asking me to choose between my 70 children, but (laughs) I, I think I'll zero in on two of the more recent ones. So one that I really liked that I did, I do some episodes solo, a few, probably like 20% solo. And then I have people on an interview for the others. The latest solo one that I did was about sustainable behavior change and nutrition and addresses a lot of the similar things that we've been talking about around habits and kind of how I see it manifesting in nutrition. 
So I thought that was a that was a good episode and something that addresses a problem point for a lot of people. And then I also did an awesome episode with Enswani, who is a, a a longtime trainer, a manager in the fitness industry, like huge in the Toronto fitness scene. And it was the first in-person episode that I had done since COVID. And it was just one of those examples of like, you forget the mics are there. I didn't look at my list of questions or topics once. Like we just talked and we talked about racism in the fitness industry, which is obviously a huge topic right now with the social justice movement that's going on. We talked about just some really deep, real interesting topics that I I feel like we got to a level that I haven't gotten to with a lot of other guests. So I thought that was a really special episode. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Guys, if you are listening, check it out. How do you feel? And then I just have one final question for you. So I always end with this one. If you have one actionable piece of information, like one thing someone can write down on a note card or index card and put on their mirror, what would you tell them to become a little bit better than they were yesterday? Hmm. Um, I would say simple changes compound over time. So it goes along the lines of what I was saying with people trying to do too much too soon. Get out of the headspace that it's all or nothing. Like that is the most important thing that people can realize when it comes to health and wellness overall. It's not about all or nothing. Things are not black and white. If you do something consistently, I don't care if it's a two minute habit. I don't care if it's one glass of water every single day. Like if you do something consistently over time, over a lifetime, that's when you see massive changes. So I think that's what I would say. Awesome. Well, where can people find you? People can find me primarily on Instagram. My handle is at Casey M. Zav. Then obviously my podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So they can check out How Do You Feel if they're interested in tuning into another podcast. I think those are the two biggest places. I'm also working with an awesome fitness education company. So for any huge fitness enthusiasts or trainers out there that are looking for really high quality continuing education, we offer lots of online and virtual courses and that's dtsfitnesseducation.com. So people can check that out as well. Awesome. I'll get that all linked up in the show notes. Thank you so much for doing this today. Cool. Thanks, Angelo. It's been a blast. And that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you again so much to Casey for coming on the show. I feel like I learned a ton and got better from that conversation, so I hope you guys felt the same way. Make sure to follow her on Instagram, at CaseyMZav, and then take a screenshot of this episode. Tag me, at BetterThanYesterdayPod, and then tag Casey. Let us know what you liked about the show. That would be a huge help for both of us. And then if you like this one, you'll love her podcast, so go check that out on Apple or Spotify. It is called How Do You Feel?, and both her Instagram and her podcast will be linked up in the show notes. So go check those two things out. If you guys want to support me this week, I did just create a new YouTube channel. So if you could head over there and subscribe, I'm going to be doing a lot of different content based around self-development. So you'll see whole podcast interviews pop up over there, as well as just some videos on things that I'm learning. 
books I'm reading, uh, podcasts I'm listening to, just some resources to get better so you guys can improve alongside of me. Thank you again so much for your support week in and week out. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you so much for everything you do, and I will talk to you guys on the next one.